It's now time to discuss more of the headlines and simple keywords with Adam, who is joining us over Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Joel. How's things? Good, good. Adam, you know, uh, kind of random and off-tangent here to start off the morning, but uh, I sure. stumbled upon um, your uh, social media channel yesterday. Right. And, <laughs> and uh, I think it was you, for sure, because uh, you it was showing um, your wonderful golf swing. You have oh, several, right. <laughs> several videos up there of your golf swing. I didn't know you were uh, so heavy into golf. <laughs> It has been mentioned uh, uh, before, but uh, I've lost interest slightly recently. But yes, there was a period where I was uh, pretty uh, addicted to golf uh, at one point. Not as much now, but I just dabble mm -hmm. occasionally now. But uh, yes, it has been a, a very uh, passionate hobby of mine for some time. Well, before the weather gets a little bit too cold, uh, yeah. I think we should uh, try to set a, set a, a roundup. Oh, yeah, that sounds very good. That sounds very good. Let's uh, let's make it happen. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, <laughs> let's jump into the keyword. Uh, give us the first keyword of the day. Korea-China relations. Of course, the big news over the weekend was the uh, development in China as uh, Xi Jinping solidified his third term in office, also naming his new Politburo uh, as well as uh, key leadership posts across the country. Um, this was of big interest for all the countries of the world because China plays such a significant part in their economies. Korea is no exception. Um, so what can we look forward to in terms of the Seoul-Beijing relations? Right, there's been some debate over how Korea kind of it's uh, positioning itself between this U.S. and China uh, tensions. It's always had to have play this balancing game between its diplomacy between the two countries. And uh, it seems like Korea is wary that uh, maybe that the UN administration might be seeming to be steering more towards the U.S. So it's trying to, of course, you know, uh, reassure China that it is still having uh, hopes of a friendly relations with uh, Beijing. And a foreign ministry official said that Korea will continue to strive to develop a healthier and more mature South Korea-China relationship with the new Chinese leadership. Now, the official added Seoul is also considering sending an official congratulatory message to Beijing as well. Um, this all came after Xi was again appointed by the Central Committee of the Communist Party of China as the country's president, and he unveiled his new leadership team over the weekend as well. Uh, Xi has already been in power for a decade, and because of this latest party uh, decision. He's cementing and uh, cementing his power even further in the country. Now, political analysts believe Xi will maintain his assertive stance in the coming years, especially regarding cross-state issues and the ongoing trade dispute with the United States. Seoul's president presidential office is now tasked to specify additional detailed plans for the battery and semiconductor industries. Now, the two industries in which Korea has basically global dominance um, have been identified as nationally significant industries by the US and China in their race for kind of technological supremacy. There's that kind of tech rivalry going on between them, supply chain issues as well being another issue. Um, what to say that both Washington and Beijing's pressure on Seoul will grow as Xi is set to apply uh, protectionist policies to its key trading partners by giving them preferential treatment. This puts Korea in a more awkward position in its diplomatic and kind of economic relations with both the US and China. 
Um, now, the UN administration has been furthering security ties with the US amid North Korea's provocations, of which there have been many recently. Uh, but China is Korea's largest trading partner, and Beijing stands opposed to Seoul's deeper kind of military ties with Washington because of that whole geopolitical dispute. Um, given South Korea's support for various Washington-led initiatives, Pundits say no signs are appearing yet for improvements in Seoul-Beijing relations. But, of course, um, especially with, in light of the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. and Korea expressing concerns over that, that might be an opportunity to kind of better economic relations with uh, or between Korea and China as well. We'll have to see how it plays out. But, of course, Korea is always stuck in the middle between those two rival countries. Um, and it seems, with the latest comments, that Seoul is trying not to push China away. Yes, always a balancing act that South right. Korea has to play. All right, let's jump over to the second keyword of the day. Ready for talks. The United States says North Korea is believed to be continuing their preparations for a nuclear test. Uh, they're very firm and stern uh, with their warnings, yet uh, they've always... This time around, left they seem to have uh, left the door open for Pyongyang to always, at any time, if they want to, to come back to the negotiation table. All right, so this is kind of basically the same rhetoric that's been uh, coming out from the U.S. for quite some time now, and nothing different this time. Uh, John Kirby, the spokesperson for the White House National Security Council, expressed concerns over North Korea's recent provocations while highlighting the possibility of a potential nuclear test. Uh, he said the U.S. has been consistently concerned about North Korean provocations. He noted it's not just because the North has accelerated missile launches in the last few weeks, uh, but that it has just been a consistent concern of the U.S. And he added that uh, that, that is why several months ago the U.S. added some intelligence capabilities off the Korean Peninsula to help get a better insight on the situation. Um, but he also reaffirmed U.S. commitment to engage in dialogue with Pyongyang, saying the U.S. has offered to sit down with the North without uh, preconditions. Um, Department Press Secretary Ned Price also said the U.S. also remains open to engaging in dialogue. He said Washington was preparing for all contingencies in close coordination with partners and allies around the world. Uh, the spokesperson noted steps to be taken by the U.S. may include adjustments to the U.S. defense posture, although he didn't really elaborate on what they were. Um, now, all these remarks came as Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman began a three-day visit to Japan for bilateral and trilateral talks with her South Korean and Japanese counterparts. Um, North Korea's provocations have continued, with the latest being an exchange of fire between the two Koreas uh, in the western maritime border. Uh, both Koreas are basically blaming each other uh, for violating the northern limit line. So it's just uh, the latest in a series of more intense tensions between the two Koreas uh, uh, as well. Okay. And let's jump over to the third keyword of the day. Kakao apology. Okay, so this was something that was expected after the uh, huge cacao services uh, that were disrupted a couple of uh, about a week ago. But the um, I guess you know it was a uh, you know every time I kind of see one of these parliamentary sessions or audit after a, a bit of a. Um, uh, I guess a big fix that's necessary or something goes out 
just seems like a big show, more for the politicians. And uh, but anyways, uh, an apology was made by the three major companies that were involved. So give us the latest updates on this. Right. So I mean, these parliamentary sessions they are kind of an opportunity for you know up and coming or unknown politicians to kind of make a name for themselves, and they. Are very heated and very loud at times as well. So nothing was really different in yesterday's uh, parliamentary session, but uh, it did kind of force uh, apologies from basically the three major companies involved in the massive outage that happened recently. Uh, of course, the main um, uh, person in this whole matter was the Kakao founder Kim Bom Su, uh, but he was among uh, Two, uh, three, uh, two others, excuse me, the SKC and CCO, Pak Songha, and Naver founder, uh, Pak Hye Jin, uh, Ye Jin, rather, excuse me, all apologized for the inconvenience caused by a fire at what has been the SKC and C data center that houses Kakao's main service. Kim apologized and explained that while he knew the importance of data centers and had made related investments. The preparation period of four to five years meant the systems were not ready. He also said he understood that to be internationally competitive, backup has to be greatly improved. Um, there's been many comparisons between Kakao and other tech giants, especially in Silicon Valley, like Google and Meta, uh, former Facebook and other um, big tech firms. They've also had outages before, but of course they managed to back up and recover their systems within hours. It took days for Kakao. Um, Kim also said Kakao is working on the details of compensation and will cover users of all services, both free and paid, although no details have been really been specified on that. Um, he added that a consultative body comprising users and representative groups will contribute to a compensation plan for free services as well. Um, Park said he felt a great sense of responsibility and vowed to do the utmost from the highest SK group level to actively discuss compensation even before the cause of the accident is identified. So damage control being conducted on for SK. SK group chairman Chetewan also apologized as well, saying the entire SK group is making efforts to deal with the situation, not just CNC. Meanwhile, Neighbors E shared similar sentiments and vowed to do the utmost to minimize inconveniences by carrying out more inspections. There seems to be a blame game going on as well. Uh, now, Kim claimed SKCNC was late in informing Kakao of the fire, notifying the tech giant, apparently in his words, 44 minutes after batteries caught fire. SKCNC, though, claims it told Kakao 18 minutes after the fire first started and notified them of the situation. And Park said that company staff had notified all of its clients that the power would be shut off to control the fire as well. Um, Neighbor CEO Che Suyan said no such notification had been received. Um, lawmakers therefore asked the companies to submit data to the National Assembly to prove when notifications were made and received. So apologies made, but also blaming being shifted from one side to the other as well at the same time. Right. No no real solution yet presented or um, clear answers for compensations, especially for businesses, small businesses, and, uh, yeah. for example, like taxi drivers who lost out on business during the outage. Right. Yeah. Mm, let's jump over to the fourth keyword of the day. Mask rule stays. So South Korea uh, has been... Uh, having mandatory mask usage uh, ever since the start of COVID. 
uh, now the current policy is you could be unmasked outdoors, but still indoors and areas of close proximity with the public, you still have to wear masks. Of course, if you could see our YouTube streaming, um, all of our myself and all of our uh, guests who do come into the studio, we do continue to wear masks as well. And the uh, government is saying that this policy will be staying put for at least a couple more months. That's right. So the government's infectious disease advisor, Chungi Sok, said the indoor mask mandate could be partially lifted three months from now. So for the time being, for three months anyway, it is still well in place. However, he emphasized that even if the pandemic is declared over worldwide, it will be a good while before it will be possible to remove masks indoors safely in indoor spaces such as public transport and medical institutions. He cited that the reason for maintaining the measure is because infections are likely to rise from the moment people start taking off masks. I know it seems obvious, but uh, that's one of the reasons being cited. He said the country continues to see COVID-19-related deaths and serious cases while still having a shortage of ICU beds. Thus, he said it is premature and there is no scientific basis yet to lift indoor mask mandates. And in particular, he said that children, the elderly and those with underlying health conditions risk severe infection or even death if the indoor mask mandate is eased, particularly as it will soon be winter and other viruses, such as the flu, are also circulating. Tongue encouraged those, meanwhile, in high-risk groups to get vaccinated as the scale and timing of the coming wave of infections in winter is likely to depend on the vaccination rate. Um, there's been you know, a lot of talks about the so-called twindemic as well. Uh, while data is still being collected, he said that the updated bivalent vaccine currently in use provides some protection against Omicron sub-variants, of which there have been a couple more that's been of concern lately as well. Right. Um, so for those of you guys who are sick, a little bit tired of the mask, just hang on and be patient for a couple more months. And, um, you know, I, I think the one good thing is uh, mask wearing hasn't been so heavily politicized here in Korea as we see in yeah. Western countries. And it does make sense. I mean, even before COVID, during the winter months, uh, during fine dust, fine dust season yeah. or the cold season, you saw a lot of people wear masks anyway. So it's kind of a habitual thing here in Korea yeah, and, so and other parts of Asia. Exactly. I mean, in Asia, it's something that's pretty much routine as well in terms of bad air quality as well. So something that Koreans especially are very used to. Mm -hmm. Okay, and give us the final keyword of the day. New UK Prime Minister. Britain's former finance minister, Rishi Sunak, will become the country's next prime minister. He is also, uh, he'll also become the first prime minister of color. Um, uh, you know, Liz Truss's uh, resignation was very um, sudden uh, and there were some uh, struggles for a power vacuum to be filled, but things kind of got resolved fairly quickly, in my opinion. Right. So basically, uh, he is also actually the youngest prime minister, fun fact, in more than 200 years as well. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, unprecedented in that respect, but uh, he will be appointed as Britain's third prime minister this year on Tuesday. This follows a fast-tracked uh, Conservative Party leadership race that's uh, in, that was aimed at filling the void left by Liz Truss's resignation. Truss actually becomes Britain's shortest-serving uh, leader, following 
what has been pretty much deemed a disastrous term. Uh, Sunak won the role of Conservative Party leader after his sole competitor, Penny Mordaunt, uh, dropped out of the race moments before votes from MPs were due to be announced. Uh, but he still has to wait a little bit. He doesn't automatically become Prime Minister uh, on Monday after the race, uh, as ritual dictates that the outgoing Prime Minister uh, first has to tender her resignation to King Charles. The King will then appoint Sunak in the coming days. Uh, but that's just procedure. Um, now, the Conservative Party is desperate for a safe pair of hands to guide the country through economic and political turbulence. Uh, it's because the country has been facing quite a few challenges, um, especially economically as well, and also within the, the, the Conservative Party. Um, here, uh, Sunak must try to shore up an economy sliding toward recession amid high inflation, and also reeling after his predecessor brief disastrous experiment in libertarian economics as well. I won't go too much into that. Um, he must also try and uh, unite the Tories as well, which have been quite divided, especially after uh, the resignation of Boris Johnson. Um, and, and many seem uh, to uh, say that Sunak is the right person because as former finance minister, he was also an investment banker at Goldman Sachs as well. And he was highly praised during the pandemic, and he, uh, especially in terms of the financial support for laid-off workers and shuttered businesses as well. But he still does face a huge challenge in terms of um, the high inflation economy uh, at the moment um, and worsening government finances as well. And also some have questioned his ability to reunite the Tories as well because he has pretty much um, being blamed for the downfall of Boris Johnson, who was ousted off, uh, from office in scandal three months ago as well. Yeah, he doesn't have an easy task ahead, especially right. after you saw the British pound fall to its lowest lows in some mm. 38 years or something like that. So Yeah. I mean, it's good news for me, wanting to go back home for a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is in a, a bit of a sticky situation, the country at the moment. Absolutely. Okay, we'll just have to wait and see on how he navigates the tumultuous waters over there. Adam, as always, thank you so much for your time this morning. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.